Hello and welcome to When Wrestlers Act. I'm John Cronshaw and I'm joined again by Mr. Colin Cox. How are you today, Colin? I'm very well, thank you, John. Excellent. I think you, I think I think you even do my hello John gimmick. So <laughs> can, we, can we start again? <laughs> no, no, we'll we'll um, we'll do it properly for once. I'm all a fluster now. <laughs> I'm going to give a spoiler now, but we watched something that was good. You're doing a sensible intro. I know. Going to be the most boring episode ever. <laughs> it is, but you know we owe it to ourselves to watch something good, and we watch something bloody good. We watched something, I'd go so far as to say, pretty damn special. So we watched Man on the Moon from, I think it was late 90s, probably 1999, something like that. It was 1999. And it had Jerry Lawler and Jim Ross and Gene LaBelle. Was this the point when Jim Carrey turned into a really good actor? It was slightly after the Truman Show. Okay, right, because that was good. Like, I think within the space of a few years, he did some really good roles, like he did... Truman Show, which he was just stunning in, and then he did this, and then... Um, Dumb and Dumber. Does that count? No, because that was when he was just in his stupid comedy role. I mean, he was a really good comic actor, but now this one where he's actually acting, and he just goes full into the role, he was just brilliant. And he did that weird one with the dreams, I think it was called like Eternal Sunshine or something, and that was also really good, and yeah, just really good acting. So... I don't know. He was great in this anyway. <laughs> I'm, I'm told that there's um, a documentary about the making of this film where it just shows Jim Carrey throughout it and he basically becomes a method actor for the film. It just becomes um, Andy Kaufman for a few weeks. We should review that for our Patreon supporters. I important. think we should. Jim and Andy, that's what it's called. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's basically a biopic about Andy Kaufman I don't really know much about this guy, to be honest, in terms of, like, I know he did the stuff with Memphis Wrestling. Yeah. You know, that's my reference to him is, I know he did uh, stuff with Jerry Lawler. Like, that's literally it. So, are you familiar with him, or...? Um, I, for, for my own sake, I've done a bit of research um, into him over the past couple of um, months, years, just off and on, just seeing what Andy Kaufman's all about when I hear people talking about his work in wrestling in the early 80s and late 70s. And I just wondered what it was on about. And after I watched the film last night, I watched um, his wrestling match with Jerry Lawler. That was very stiff indeed. Andy Kaufman gets his broken neck from Jerry Lawler, but still nobody knows if that was legit or not. It was never, ever revealed. I mean, the pile driver looked okay. The suplex looked... A bit stiff, but that's what back suplexes are like. Other than that, it just looked like a standard wrestler versus small celebrity match. From what I can gather with this, it's like he just seems like a almost anti-comedian, if that makes yeah. sense. Like just real absurdist stuff and almost like the jokes on the audience, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It, re- it reminded me a bit of like the DePlankton stuff where it's like, if you enjoy it, then ha ha ha, the joke's on you. If you rally against it then ha 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 the joke's on you it's like so is yeah. there any way that you can win the only people who win are the people telling the jokes so it's <laughs> from what i could see i would very much describe him as a performance artist yeah definitely definitely and i thought you kind of got the impression straight away of you know it opens up and it's got him playing this kind of really weird awkward <laughs> 
character in a suit. I, I, was a record. In, I was in stitches at this point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was just, it was like a visual gag of the credits rolling along yeah. with the record, the record stop, and then the credits stop. And, and then he just kind of turns to the camera and goes, you know, hopefully we've got rid of the people who won't get <laughs> this film. <laughs> you know, all the way through this film, when I was watching it, my son was. You know, his, his bedroom, because we live in a bungalow, his, his bedroom was basically next to the sitting room. And he kept coming through and go, what are you laughing at, Daddy? What are you laughing at? <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, it's just a funny film. It's <laughs> It was funny up to a point, and then it, it became heartbreaking. So. It really did. I liked um, how it opened with um, the little young Andy Kaufman sort of Putting on a performance for his wall. For the wall, yeah. <laughs> and his, his dad walks in and he's like, oh, you need to go out and play. He's like, but I've got viewers. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and yeah. then he just gently drags his uh, his sister in to be his audience. Yeah. And then it just cuts to Andy in sort of present day performing a kiddie song in front of a hardened comedy crowd in the mid-70s. There's like one or two people who find him funny and basically gets the guy who runs a comedy club just saying you're not funny you need to start telling real jokes and so he does start telling real jokes but really poorly mm. delivered and really badly executed yes and it's it's like he goes into this thing and then he suddenly goes i'm going to do an impression of elvis presley and then he does a really good impression of elvis presley and then everyone's in stitches. Yeah, yeah, everyone loves it because he's come from that, um, you know, the weird foreign character who's a bit awkward. He's convinced people he's like from Latvia or something. Yeah. The crowd seem to like the fact that he's almost duped them. This is where we get introduced to the Danny DeVito guy who's what, like a talent agent? Yeah, he uh, was um, a, a real person, um, George Shapiro, who, um, interesting footnote, is in the film and appears alongside Danny DeVito at one point. I did not know that. He was the guy on um, Saturday Night Live who's saying, if you want Andy to still be on the show, then phone this number. If you don't want him, then phone this number. That's him. Wasn't Danny DeVito in Taxi as well? I think he was, but I'm not sure because I've never watched Taxi. But I think he may have been. I thought Danny DeVito was excellent in this film as well. Not as yeah. good as he was in Twins. But... Oh, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. Oh, uh, shall we cut that bit then? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, like, Danny DeVito's done a lot of good roles. But... And then he was in Twins. <laughs> I mean, I thought, yeah. he, I thought he was brilliant as the Penguin as well. Yeah, he was. And the best one, do you know what was better than Twins, which had the same cast? Do tell. Do you remember Junior? Yes, is that the one where um, Schwarzenegger gives birth? <laughs> I never actually watched it, but I know of it. Oh, man, if you thought uh, <laughs> Repossessed was bad, my God. I'll find out if there's any wrestlers in that. I mean, the Schwarzenegger count is in WWE Hall he, of Fame. He did do an angle, didn't he? He's like, been there a couple of matches. Maybe. <laughs> Moving on, you got Danny DeVito arranging a meeting with Andy Kaufman, and um, they go for dinner. Andy's got this big bogey sticking out of his nose while they're eating. And then, <laughs> after a while, he just stops and takes it out of one nostril and puts it in the other one. 
and then he just shows that it's fake a few, a few moments later. I just thought that was brilliant. Yeah. says that everyone's going to be buying these when he's the biggest star in the world. Just wrote on my notes in big letters, just knows. <laughs> we get the revelation that he's got a job on a sitcom and Andy Kaufman doesn't want to do a sitcom, so he kind of comes up with all these absurd you know, stipulations. If he gets on the show, then in his contract, he, he asks that, um, is it Tony Clifton? Tony Clifton. The lounge singer gets to appear <laughs> four times. Yes. And he's got to have his own special. Like There were just quite a lot of conditions and, and they accept because they think he's a genius. And then um, there was him meditating and he asks his guru, what is the secret of being funny? And he just says, it's silence. So he does this comedy routine where he spends most of it looking very awkward and then occasionally bursting into noise and then going back to awkwardness. And I thought that was brilliant. Was that the same when he was singing along to Mighty Mouse? Yes. Yes, it was. (laughs) And he'd just do like the here he comes to save the day line. (laughs) That's right. And that was it. (laughs) I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. We see Tony Clifton at work. And he is absolutely terrible and horrible at the same time. (laughs) And he's picking on some poor guy in the crowd and he ends up pouring his wine over him. And then it goes backstage and it turns out that that guy's a collaborator and is Andy Kaufman's best friend. And I forget his name, but let's just call Bob. That's it. Bob Bob Zamuda. (laughs) Zamuda. And then they let Mr. Shapiro in on it that Clifton is Andy Kaufman. But is he? But is he? We'll come to that. Several times, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love the... Um, the Well, there's a double swerve, isn't there, really, with the Clifton character. I like it. So. Yeah, the Clifton characters get better and better, the yeah. swerves that they do. He does a thing on Saturday Night Live, but he's not liked. They just want him to be his taxi character. Yeah, and he doesn't want to do that. And So he did the one where he's, he's at the university, he's getting heckled. And he just starts reading The Great Gatsby <laughs> from start to finish. <laughs> and he does read it from start to finish, and there's about six people left in the audience after they've all been, you know, do whatever you called the character. Or is it Latka or something? Latka. Was it? Was it Latka? I think so. Sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. Do generic foreigner. <laughs> I can't remember the line now he said, but he's like, Someone said to him, like, how, oh, how can you do that? And he's like, it's the great Gatsby. It's one of the best works in Lingo. Gave them a treat, you know. <laughs> so, what's better? There's the bit where he goes to the brothel. Oh, yes. And, and, um, to relax. Know, yeah, and he's, he, he acts all a bit embarrassed and he's a bit weird. And then he goes, oh, I'll take you two. And the guy's like, oh, it's his first time here, you know. And he's like... What are you on about? Andy's here every week. It's like, <laughs> uh, so he's just pretending that it's his first time just to get a free brothel experience. Um, <laughs> and he hires the two prostitutes to basically accompany him when he shows up as Tony Clifton. Is it Tony Clifton? It's Tony yeah. Clifton. I keep yeah. thinking Dave Clifton, but that, that's <laughs> Alan Partridge, isn't it? It's probably the same person. You know what? By the end of this, it probably is. So. <laughs> They arrive on the set of um, because he's hired these two prostitutes to try and destroy Taxi. Yeah, he basically says, you know, this is how you destroy a TV show. It's just chaos. It's like he's jumping on the cars and demanding crazy stuff, and it's, he just basically has a complete freak out on the set. Apparently, I don't know how many views it had, but 
they said 40 million. I don't know if that was right or not, but I have to know. I'm Googling frantically as we speak. Cool. Yeah. I um, know. This is awkward. It is awkward. <laughs> um, no. But either way, 114 episodes of Taxi and people what? tell me it was great. Well, older older people who like American things and, you know, what do they know? Did it have Danny DeVito in? It did. He was yeah. Louis De Palma. This is the bit where he basically sees wrestling on TV and decides he wants to be a wrestler. When we first get introduced to Tony Clifton, basically when he comes out to Shapiro about it, he tells him that, you know, he, he it's his villain character. <laughs> Everyone loves a villain kind of thing. So this is kind of pushing the villainness upper level he basically goes into the wrestling thing and decides that he's going to face only women and <laughs> basically just berates them and and then creates the intergender yeah, title yeah he's the intergender champion <laughs> and then he basically falls in love with a woman who was a wrestler called lynn yeah an actress i don't know was she an actress was she a wrestler i don't know um she was an actor Played by the very skanky Courtney Love. Yeah, I thought it was Courtney Love, but yeah. I just thought, oh, she looks a bit like a, a meth head <laughs> version yeah, of Courtney yeah, Love. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right, yeah. So it was, as I say, it was Courtney Love. <laughs> Although there was um, one bit that I thought was particularly funny, a bit later on, was when Courtney Love says that she is not a prop, and I just think that's funny. Yeah. Courtney Love saying that she's not a prop when she's been a... I'm not going to go off. Go <laughs> don't, go there, don't go there. Don't go there. Don't go there. It could yeah. last too long. I know. I know. It'll be like that when you had a bet Morrissey once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't get me started on that. Do you feel vindicated now he's like, turned out to be a bit of a right-wing nut job? No, I feel disappointed. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you want to be wrong. <laughs> this is one of them. Yeah. This is basically you get the feud with Jerry Lawler. Yeah. And basically he turns up at Memphis and brings out Lynn to wrestle. And Lawler goes, oh, we're not going to have any of this. This is just your girlfriend. It's fake. You're not going to pull the wool over our eyes. Andy wrestles a proper female wrestler. He does manage to scrape a wing out of it because... He has been exercising, and he is slightly stronger than the women. I think that was his gimmick, was to get beaten up, but be slightly stronger than the women, yeah. so he can get a, he can sort of force himself a pin. Yeah, and then this is when Lawler comes out and says, well, I'll give you a real match, and he pole drives him and throws him around, and it appears that he breaks his neck, or yeah. some kind of neck injury anyway. And then they're on Letterman together. Yeah, they're on Letterman. And, um, well, it's a bit weird. Like, they, they kind of call a truce and then they ramp up the feud. And <laughs> Lola throws coffee on them. Um, Other so. way around. Kaufman throws oh, is it, is coffee it, yeah. on Lola. Oh, so yeah, yeah. Lola slaps him. And um, they get into a, a bit of a, um, a schmoz. Much to the chagrin of Shapiro and. And starts swearing off on one on live on Letterman, and then um, Letterman says some of those words we can actually say, but you cannot throw coffee on my show, which is a valid point. It Very is a valid point. It's a waste of good coffee. Well, yeah. I'm sure it's crap coffee. 
and it's it's also you know there's a lot of electrical equipment around and you know i don't think a risk assessment would have been done you know how i feel about coffee (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're a snob (laughs) i'm a snob i'm i'm unashamedly a coffee snob that's why i always drink tea when i come around your house Oh. oh i went there I always get the finest whatever's on offer in Aldi. <laughs> <laughs> finest freeze-dried coffee. <laughs> it's freeze-dried coffee. Okay. <laughs> Moving swiftly on before it gets personal. Uh, before you start talking about bloody avocado toast and pulled pork and... Not wrong with pulled pork. Although what you do in your own time is your own business. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, I made it sound like you were wanking, John. Oh. Just in case our viewer wasn't aware of that. <laughs> okay, right. Anyway, back to this. Yeah, yeah. So that was like uh, Carmella's um, seven-second dance break. This is the bit then where we get our um, what would you call it? The uh, all these lost moment in the film. This is yeah. the bit where he basically gathers his friends together after a show. I think what's his name? Bob Zamuda and Shapiro are there. And his wife's there. Is it his wife? It's his um, girlfriend. girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. And he basically says he's got lung cancer. He's going to die. And Bob's like, oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. We can really play this one out. This is a great idea. Shapiro's all, you better not be joking. And um, girlfriend is devastated. That was really painful to watch. It was sad, wasn't it? It was very sad. I mean, there are a lot of things that in this film that moved me. There was one just before that. It was um, sort of a meeting between Mr. Shapiro, Jerry Lawler and Andy, where Jerry Lawler turns around and says that he, he wouldn't change a thing and he'll do it all again. Because I know a little bit about the history of everything that went on between them, there's this video on the YouTube. It came out pretty much the day after um, Andy Kaufman died or the day that he died. And um, someone goes to Jerry Lawler for a react quote. And um, Jerry Lawler says, well, I'm sorry to hear he's dead, but maybe you should go and speak to one of his family or or friends because aside from loss of human life, I really couldn't care less. (laughs) (laughs) Or something like that. Yeah. But I am sorry to hear that another human being has died. And I just think that point, especially with it being the real Jerry Lawler, given what I knew at that point, was just a, a very touching moment for me because it, it shows that it was all just a gimmick. Their hatred wasn't real. And he did really enjoy his time and the work that he did with him. Otherwise, yeah. Jerry Lawler in a film, I think he would have just declined that line. Yeah. So it was like his sort of way of talking to Andy from beyond the grave. I thought that was a really nice moment don't know whether this is true or not but i remember hearing a few years ago when i was can't remember what i was listening to but i was li- i was listening to something about the actual angle and whatever and apparently after andy kaufman died they found all these uncashed checks yes it was worth them um, something like about five million dollars <laughs> just <laughs> uncashed he just enjoyed his time in the wrestling yeah yeah mark it was never a- <laughs> <laughs> It was never about the money for him. Yeah, just happy to be there. So. Just happy to be there. Like, what's his name? Have you, have you heard about the David Arquette stuff recently? Yes, when he got his throat cut. Yeah, like, what an idiot. Mm. What an absolute idiot. It's but that's like, any wrestler who appears in a death match. 
Right, this guy is an actor. I mean, granted, he's been in some shit, but he was also in one of the biggest horror franchises of all time. He call um, Reddit a rumble, one of the biggest <laughs> horror franchises of all time. <laughs> biggest <laughs> horror shows, maybe. It was horrible. <laughs> no, but, you know, he, he was in Scream and those movies, and I don't know if he still is, but he was married to Courtney Cox, and it's like, mate, what are you doing? <laughs> Honestly, like he's upset that he won the WCW Championship like twenty years ago or whatever it was. It's like, what the hell are you doing? Who cares? The only people who really care are like the obsessed wrestling fans who take it far too seriously. And it's like, just ah, oh, you you don't have to go and get hit by light tubes and have your throat cut to prove some point to some pissed off fans. It's like, what's wrong with you? Do. No, you don't. <laughs> he's, he's clearly lost his mind. I wish the guy well. I hope he gets better. I hope he looks at himself in the mirror and goes, oh, I've got a massive fucking scar on my neck now. I've had to be stitched up. I nearly died because there's a lot of things like arteries and important veins on your neck that if you cut them wrong, you just die. It's like, ah. Because what was it? Nick Gage, wasn't it? I think that was the guy who did it. It's like, okay, that guy is a deathmatch wrestler. That's his gimmick. It's like, that's his job. He's not just some actor who's decided he wants to play wrestler. It's, oh, it's insane. But whatever, rant over. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, as I say, anyone who decides that they want to be in a wrestling deathmatch, they need to take a look at themselves and ask themselves what they're trying to prove. Oh, so it's just... It's just grubby, man, isn't it? That's the thing. It's like, and like, it is. like, like light tubes as well. They're just full of so many um, carcinogens and just absolutely horrible stuff that's terrible for you. That's Maybe. including the glass. You know what I mean? It's like, just. Yeah. Ugh, dickheads. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> that's a good rant. And I feel that that was well worth making. But shall we um, hasten back to the film? Where were we? Oh yeah, where, so. where was we? Right, so right. Kaufman so we... just announced he was um, he had cancer, and um, people reacted differently to it. Yeah, yeah. So he he basically oh, it's got, sorry, he's got that scene then in the hospital when he's told his family and his sister don't believe him because of the broken neck thing, which sort of suggests that maybe it wasn't a real broken neck. Yeah, and they were they're going. Oh yeah, the doctor. Did you see the doctor's shoes? They weren't doctor's shoes. Yeah, yeah. I like that logic. But um, <laughs> so this is basically the peak of the film in a way. This is where Andy Kaufman does his gig at Carnegie Hall. You know, that's been his dream really from the start. And he does what is it? I can't. I don't don't know who it was, but it was basically some girl from a film that he really liked. That was a really old film, and then he called her out, and she was old. Yeah. And he got her to dance with some hobby horse, and then she pretended to die. And people thought she'd died and then... Yeah, they even got a doctor out of the crowd to come and fix her. And um, then he does a sort of Indian rain dance because she was being a cowboy. So that song that I know because of Fallout New Vegas. (laughs) Yeah, the the Jingle Jangle, or it's called. That's the one, yeah. Yeah. Spurs at Jingle Jangle Jingle. That's a great song. It is. It's got a good beat to it. It has. There was the Milk and Cookies thing. Yeah, Where, well, there was which, that, but there was also the thing of like bringing out showgirls with flamingo dresses or whatever they're called, like big Santa feathering. coming over the audience. Santa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then he took the audience out for milk and cookies, which yeah, yeah which apparently did really happen. Awesome. But 
I mean, one story arc that didn't really happen is um, that happened in 1980 when he died in 1984. Shit, I've just in a film there. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, that happened in 1980, and he, you know, a few years before he actually died, but it did happen. He really did take everyone out for milk and cookies. I just yeah. thought, how lovely. I think that's basically so you've got a um, decent story structure for the peak of the second act so that's that's fine so the final bit then really is he's getting really ill the next scene we see him he's basically bald and dying and full of cancer and he goes i think it's to like the philippines or somewhere like that to go for like psychic surgery which is just pseudo nonsense and i think that's where he kind of realized oh i'm screwed <laughs> yeah because he um he he has a good laugh because he sees that the surgery is just a massive hoax and i think he sees the irony of andy kaufman being hoaxed and <laughs> is um deeply amused by it yeah. and then it comes to his funeral yeah and it's basically the singer song of it like it's not small world after all it's something like that it's like friendly world or something friendly world i think it was yeah yeah and yeah it's just a bit of a sad video where they're singing a nice song about how great the world is, and that guy's dead. And he's doing a sort of karaoke thing of it. It's Andy from Beyond the Grave and everything. I'm just going to say, remind me to do that. Yes. Put together some weird song (laughs) to sing in a really awkward way, so when it is my funeral, people are going to be forced to sing it, but it's going to be a bit weird and a bit awkward. What about Laughing Gnome? Maybe, yeah. Something like that, where I'm just like, Oh, please, Mr. Gravedigger. Ha, ha, ha. He, he, he. I'm a laughing gnome. You can't catch me. (laughs) Just in a really deadpan comedic delivery. The final scene, then, is when we have Tony Clifton at Andy Kaufman's tribute. It's basically like in a little comedy club, and... He performs I Will Survive, which is great. <laughs> really enjoyed it. And then and the camera pans out and you see Bob, just yeah. who was being Tony Clifton earlier in the film, which yeah. they're saying, oh, is it really him or is it is Andy still alive and is Tony Clifton? Because there are lots of rumours out there that he faked his own death. That would be funny. It really would. <laughs> However, he's not backing out and... Um, I was looking on some of the internets recently and it's been alleged even by his missus that his death is in a book that Zamuda and Lynn wrote. It was indeed a prank and this was in 2014 and he would soon be revealing himself as the upper limit on the prank was 30 years, but he died in 1984. Right. So he's four years too late. I think he's dead. I never thought he was. <laughs> <laughs> no. If you go on Wikipedia, there's a copy of his death certificate as well. That doesn't mean anything. If it's yeah. on Wikipedia, <laughs> Anyone can post Andy Kaufman's death certificate on Wikipedia. <laughs> so, John, get the chat. No. No. I will not. I will not. <laughs> That's more than reasonable. This film was um, a masterpiece. Yeah. And um, I shall really never good. watch it again. No. no, for me, if a film is as good as this, I won't watch it again. Right. There are many films out there that I will happily watch again. Things like Die Hard, for instance, The Running Man, just great films. Then you've got films that go sort of beyond great. And talking films like um, Wally or Amelie or 
This one, Man on the Moon. I shan't watch them again. The last series of the League of Gentlemen. I shall not watch it again because I don't want it to be tainted or spoiled. And I just thought it was pretty much as close to perfect a film as it could be. No, it was great. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. I don't know why. I I thought I'd watched this before, but I haven't. Yeah. And something in the back of my mind said that this was going to be a crap film. Like I'd heard it was a bad film or something. And I think I went into it with low expectations and then, yeah, I was just blown away by it. It was brilliant. I'd been told nothing but good things about it. Seeing that the film, according to Wikipedia, cost $15 million to make and made $14 million at the cinema. So it made a loss. (laughs) I'm sure Andy Kaufman would be having a good laugh at that if he was still alive. Yeah. And um, it's got mainly good reviews. It's yeah, If you look at sites like Rotten Tomatoes or Metacritic or whatever it is, it's got just above average good. But people think, yeah, it was all right, or they're like me and think it was fucking amazing. Yeah, and what I liked about this as well is, I don't know if you've mentioned it on the podcast before, but you've talked to me about it, and it's like the idea that there seems to be a bit of a formula now for the biopic that yeah you do a biopic in order to get an oscar and yes. it's like here's the formula here's what you do and it's <laughs> like this just didn't fall for any of those tropes and it was just no. it was just really well done i was cracking up all the way through and i was moved by the the tragedy of it all the film genuinely brought a tear to my eye and not many films do that Pixar film you showed me recently came close to it, but this one didn't. What was it called? Inside Out, was it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that was um, that's an extremely good film as well. Has that got any wrestlers in it? No, but it's tremendous. So yeah. it's, uh... You know, I've got my gimmick where I say on this uh, podcast that we watch this shit so you don't have to. We watch this shit and everyone should go out there and watch this one because it, it was great and I cannot praise it highly enough. And we should mention as well that Jerry Lawler was really good in it. He was. You got Gene LaBelle, who was really good in it as well, as a referee. Didn't we watch something else where Gene LaBelle was a referee? Possibly. It sounds like something that had happened on this. Yeah. What? Sorry, Internet Movie Database are giving Inside Out 8.2. That's ridiculous. Yeah, but didn't they give Man on the Moon something like about six? What do they know? What do they know with their database? It's all user-generated content. Fools. Uh, And this is why, when I come to power, trial by jury and referendums are the first things to go. (laughs) That and user-generated content. User-generated content and democracy. And democracy. You will be a friendly tyrant. But I'll be a lovely tyrant. (laughs) Just very pleasant. It's just, you know, no trial by jury, no referenda. And no user-generated content. Wow. You have destroyed Western civilization as we know it. Excellent. <laughs> I shall now go out and vote Labour. <laughs> you would. I've got to. The um, MP in my area is an absolute shit. I'm not going to go off on a political ramp, but he's one of those horrible MPs that you get. Oh, is, it, is this the crazy landlord guy? Is that him? Yeah, filibuster Phil Davis, I think oh, it yeah, is. Yeah. I mean, I'll I'll happily call him a cunt, but, you know, I won't go off on some um, political rant. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's not political. It's just personal. Guys, <laughs> a cunt. What can you it say? Is. <laughs> it's just his whole be- whole behaviour and everything. It means that I've got to vote Labour to get him unelected when the election comes. I don't want to do that either. Yeah, this is the trouble, isn't it? It's just like it's a real quandary. Who do you vote for? Do you vote for the the wankers over there or the wankers over there? You know, if it was a choice between a wanker and a cunt, I'm voting for a wanker. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like having a broken leg, then um, getting a broken toe where you got a broken leg doesn't seem so bad now, does it? Maybe you could just despoil your ballot in a very creative way. I did that last time. You weren't the person who drew a penis and that was seen <laughs> as, a, as a vote. No, but I wish I had. <laughs> So, Man on the Moon, everyone, go watch it. Yes, it's good. A- anything else you want to discuss on this um, fine evening? What's crackalacking with you? Anything fun and exciting? No, I think we should um, ask our Patreon people to suggest something. That's another bonus for being on Patreon, is we can get our um, patrons can suggest what we do. They can have first dibs and... I don't care how ungodly bad it is. If a patron suggests we watch it and we've got time to watch it. And we can get hold of it. And we can get hold of it, then we shall do it. See, if that's not worth a dollar a month, I don't know what is. Yeah. I mean, you could. I can think of a lot of things that are better to spend money on, like half a coffee or something. Well, I know, but (laughs) I'm trying to sell our business here, John. So remember, you can follow us on the Twitter. It's at WWA Podcast. And you should leave a review on iTunes if you've not done so already. This will help people find the show. And remember, we are on the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash act. So do join there. Bye. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There we go. Nice and awkward at the end. Exactly. That's how we like it. Yeah, yeah. Is this thing still on? Yeah. Is this where I go on a bit of a um, a bit of a run?